Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. There is no better group of plants for flower power and forms of the shrubby potentilla. Hello and welcome to This Week in the Garden. I'm Peter Seabrook, here to help with some of your gardening quandaries. Today, away from the garden a bit, we bring you an insight into the world of journalism in which I'm honoured to reside. Mike Ridley, feature writer here at The Sun, joins us to discuss a new book called Half Century. Yes, S-U-N-T-U-R-Y. Looking back at 50 years of The Sun newspaper. It's a fascinating read and a fascinating conversation with one of my dear friends in the industry. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. Dull, overcast weather for uh, the most part last weekend, with drizzle wasn't uh, really very encouraging to garden. Sunday was uh, just about dry enough uh, at home to brush off the dew first thing and get the hover mower just over the grass. I mean, it's really grown with all that wet and really relatively mild weather through uh, October and early November, so it's a relief to at least have got the top clipped off uh, and not have the grass up round my ankles again. Last week it was the Garden Media Guild Awards lunch, a great meeting place, and our congratulations to Mark Rosenberg, winning the News Journalist of the Year. And when it comes to news, I popped into my local garden centre, Meadowcroft, uh, down near Wickford in Essex, on a drizzly wet Monday lunchtime in the hope of just getting a bit of fungicide to control mildew and I had a job to get in. I just couldn't believe it. The car park was absolutely packed. They've got what they call uh, their German market with a whole series of little stalls with all kinds of uh, festive uh, items for people to buy and it was absolutely thronging with people. Boy, it does change. I remember working on a retail nursery uh, 50, 60 years ago when we'd go the whole day and wouldn't see anybody. (laughs) Now, with all this Christmas festivity and and you could buy uh, frankfurter sausages, uh, uh, then you can't get into the car park. It is an interesting world. In the news this week, uh, I was saddened to hear that Mary Spiller has died, a long-term worker and lecturer, loyal server of the Waterperry School of Gardening. Her book on fruit, a very sound reference for gardeners and well worth having. It's certainly on my bookshelf. It is of note for me that the Chemical Industries fortnightly magazine now arrives in a compostable envelope. 
bit of a disappointment for me actually because the uh, previous polythene one was jolly useful if you wanted a bag to put fruits and vegetables destined for the deep freeze. I'll have to buy my own freezer bags now. Uh, these bags that magazines are using uh, do rot down in the compost heap, uh, but they take time. Uh, I've just uh, unloaded one of my heaps and, and can still see the remnants uh, of bags that were popped in there last June, July. have to admit that perhaps the heaps didn't heat as well as I would like, and so uh, I'm shaking things up, putting in some really uh, hot fast rotting manure in the bottom of my compost heap and giving them another trial. A welcome letter came from John Watt. Now, John Watt uh, retired 10 years ago from uh, a nursery called uh, Derby Nursery Stop up in Methwold, and John was a great propagator. It was uh, good to hear from him, uh, and uh, even more so because he sent a magazine which had an article about Colin Thackeray. Now, Colin was an ex-army trainer and he worked uh, alongside John and I with five of the big nurseries up in East Anglia. Uh, And I never really thought much about what he did in his spare time. But John sent uh, an article uh, which uh, featured Colin Thackeray, the Britain's Got Talent Chelsea pensioner winner. Do you know, I sat and watched Colin do a fantastic job singing uh, and hadn't made the connections that we'd worked together. Uh, I can't wait to see him singing at the Royal Variety performance. Congratulations, Colin. (laughs) Amazing what you can do. Didn't realise you had such a wonderful voice. Now, what about uh, things to do in the garden this week? I was up working in uh, the Floral Fantasia area at Hyde Hall. I was surprised how many people came through. It must have been, I don't know, 200, 300 people. I counted 20 on one occasion on that uh, Saturday morning and I was able to draw their attention to the new cut flower fragrant pinks, bridal star, pink ruffles and red carpet. They are fantastic garden plants bred by Wetmans down in Devon. I've been on about them several times. But to have them still in flower well into November, full of fragrance and and suitable for cutting, is really fantastic. When you think of all the uh, spray carnations sold in garages and uh, supermarkets without any scent of any kind, then to have one that we can grow in the garden with that fragrance is really welcomed. Uh, If you can lay hands on a few plants next spring, well then I would certainly recommend that. When we are working away, digging beds and planting bulbs and the biennial flowers, it's interesting, if you're in a pretty upright position digging, then you get quite a lot of questions from people. If you're bent double planting, they don't seem to be quite so keen on speaking to somebody's backside, but... uh, (laughs) One way, perhaps, to dodge the questions. Uh, Amongst the questions, uh, Shirley uh, said that uh, she had a very nice container blueberry uh, and that on the internet it said prune hard back. Well, I tell you, not in my experience. 
I've had a blueberry in a container for seven or eight years and the most I've needed to do is to trim out one or two little tiny very old bits and and the plant just sits there, gets bigger and crops more and more. So I would suggest you took it very easy before you uh, set about hard pruning blueberries. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, my interview today is Mike Ridley. He's the senior features journalist on The Sun uh, and author of uh, much of the content of an enormous book that's come out must weigh here i think about 10 pounds mike what a mammoth work this is the half century how could you do that to the english language <laughs> well if it's a pun it's got to be in the sun hasn't it i mean <laughs> there was no other title for it really but it's incredible that the sun's now 50 years and we're still going and that it's just an amazing feat and part of the reason the book is so big is that if you go to most companies who've reached half a century and you say we'd like to write a book about you they're probably only 10 maybe major events in the life of that company because they do the same thing day after day after day after day year after year whereas the sun every day is different every day is a story every day is an adventure and that's why I like working here I mean I'm 62 and I'm still as enthusiastic about my job as I was the day I started when I was 18 and it's incredible but what a formidable challenge I mean you've interviewed pretty well all of uh, our editors over the years well it started off I, I got a summoned to see my my editor and and um, he said could I interview Rupert Murdoch and the five surviving editors of The Sun? There have been seven editors of The Sun uh, in that time, five of them still alive. Could I interview the five surviving editors? Anyway, I went with Arthur Edwards, our legendary royal <laughs> photographer, who's been on the paper since, I think, 1973 he first started. I'm afraid he beats me by <laughs> two years, I think, <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> the legendary Arthur. The legendary Arthur. So he so opens all kinds of doors well, for does, you. He does, yeah, and, and he was incredible. But we started off and we interviewed Mr Murdoch and then we interviewed five editors. But every time we interviewed somebody, they said, oh, why don't you interview somebody else? And, oh, do you remember so-and-so? And, oh, you've got to talk to so-and-so. So suddenly we ended up interviewing certainly well over 80 people and a lot of them we took to lunch. <laughs> and, 
That sounds like the old days of Boovery well, Street. Well, it was. It was a bit like it was a bit like the old days of journalism. And and basically, I was told you can't pay anybody, but you can take them to lunch. So I'd ring them up and say, "I can't pay you, but I can take you to lunch." So. I ended up doing dozens and dozens of lunches, and um, I used to book them with an online company to res- make the reservation, and suddenly about two-thirds of the way in, this email pinged into my inbox, and it said, congratulations, you are now in the top 3% of lunches, I presume in Britain. <laughs> so uh, anyway, now this project's finished, I'm going on a diet. But it was incredible, and uh, so we started 18 months ago, and Arthur and I basically laughed for seven months solid. Everybody we went to see had incredible stories about their time at the Sun. So every time we did an interview, Arthur would come back and go up to see the boss on the 13th floor and go, this book's got to be bigger. It's got to be bigger. And suddenly we've ended up with a 400-page book with a like a This Is Your Life red cover on top of it as well. So what was meant to be a coffee table book is now as big as a coffee table, but it is, it's an incredible history of an incredible paper. But interviewing um, Rupert Murdoch, goodness, that must have been something of a challenge. It, well, it was, well it, was, it was interesting because it, it was on the day before he was about to do a deal to sell Fox and uh, Fox Studios and a lot of his... American Empire, basically. And the deal, I think, was worth something like $78 billion. So he's got that in his mind, and that's going to happen the next day. And yet he still took two hours to talk to us about how he created the sun, why he created the sun, his dreams for the sun. And and we were talking away, and suddenly he stopped me partway through. And he said, you do Pittman shorthand. You must be one of the last. And I said, well, yes, I do. And he said, my shorthand's not that good, he said, but my dad did brilliant shorthand. And then he started looking. We we gave him a a mock-up of some of the pages with front pages of The Sun, and he started analysing them. And I suddenly realised that this was a newspaper man, despite being in films and TV. He was a newspaper man at heart, and ink runs through Mr Murdoch's blood. And the one thing that came out of the whole thing was... Actually, what a brilliant proprietor Rupert Murdoch is, and everybody said how much they enjoyed working for him. I mean, there were there were people who obviously got on the wrong side of it, yeah, yeah. and uh, obviously there were days when uh, the editor, you know, would would tell me that you know uh, one of the editors, Kelvin McKenzie, tells a great story from 1981 about it was at the time when interest had just grown in Diana and Charles. So nothing changes. I mean, you know, the, uh, the editors were all summoned to the palace to talk about how we were covering Charles and Diana in the early days of their marriage. On the morning that he was meant to go to the palace, the editor said, I don't really want to go. So he rang them up and he said, look, I, I can't come. And they said, well, why can't you come? It must be something really important because this is a terribly important meeting. And so he told the fib, he said, well, I'm having lunch with Rupert Murdoch. Mr Murdoch was actually in New York at the time. <laughs> so anyway, he thought no more about it. At 11 o'clock, the news editor came in. And in the old days, we used to have paper printouts. And it was a flash from the press association. Sun editor snubs Queen. Kelvin hadn't realised that actually he was meant to be meeting the Queen that, oh, that day. And s- suddenly at 1 o'clock in London, 7 a.m. New York time, 
Mr Murdoch's on the phone and he said, uh, how's your lunch with the Queen going? <laughs> and he said, well, actually, I'm, I'm not there. I, I didn't go. He said, yes, I know that. And he said, um, uh, and how's your lunch with me going? And, and Kelvin said to say, well, actually, uh, I had to say something. And Mr Murdoch said, look, I don't mind you lying to the Queen, but don't drop me in it. <laughs> it's amazing he survived that. <laughs> Every, everybody you talk to has a brilliant son story and um, it's just been fantastic mopping up these stories. But you've been quite actively involved in things which have changed people's lives. Yeah. I mean, the uh, book campaign, for example. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, um, I've written a chapter on the campaigns and the Sun Readers are incredible in supporting the underdog, really, and we... we if you come in our building here, it says standing up for the little guy. And that's what we as a paper do, and we still do. So we support a lot of campaigns. But the one that really got me was when we gave away books for schools, which we just started again, but this was in 1998 to 2003. And I can remember going to an estate in Glasgow, and we took the Sun bus. We used to have a double-decker bus, topless bus. It didn't have... <laughs> Didn't have a top deck. I, I know the bus, yes. We've taken the bus to uh, supermarket car parks and had uh, gardening workshops on the on the lower deck. What? The topless tour. So anyway, we took the book, the, the Books for Schools bus, to this little school in, uh, in, in the east end of Glasgow. And I can remember this little boy just... We gave him a book, and I don't think he'd ever... And no, I don't think anybody had ever given him anything. And I don't think he'd ever had a book of his own. And he just looked at this and it was like... I, I can still, to this day, see his face, the wonderment on his face that somebody had given him a book. And I'd just like to hope that that book changed his life and started him reading and, and, and that was incredible. We gave away... I think it was books worth £35 million that time and we're, we're doing it again. Yeah. It's incredible. So in your long history here, I think, was it 1980-something? Yeah, 1987 I started on The Sun in Glasgow, and um, I was a news reporter, and I I can remember I was in Dundee covering the story of this family who'd got so drunk they'd actually accidentally cooked their dog in the oven. (laughs) (laughs) And I got a call. Sounds like a sign. Oh, goodness. They're all some stories. And I got a call saying that we don't know why, but the editor wants to see you in London. And um, so I went down to London and saw the editor, and he basically wanted a serious feature writer. And uh, so uh, he said to me, right, start tomorrow. And I said, well, I've got a wife up north and a daughter, and we haven't talked money. And he said, what, do you want to bring your agent in? (laughs) Anyway, I started the next Monday, and it was just a great, great adventure. And um, it was the late 80s, and I had this massive pair of glasses now, the editor had this theory that if you wore glasses, you were brainy. So he thought I'd got a genius walking in the door. <laughs> and then one day he called me in and he said, here, what do you know about the city? I said, nothing, absolutely nothing. He said, well, I've just made you city editor of the biggest selling paper in the Western world. So I did a spell of that and then I became features editor. And uh, now I'm back on the road as a writer and just meeting incredible people. I mean, that uh, recruitment... The first woman's editor, in in the book there's a little piece that says that she came in Mm. and had a 40-minute interview and and 
the editor said, when can you start? Yeah, and she start, started the next day. Yeah. yeah, never talked about money. And uh, Joyce Hopkirk is in there. She, uh, she was the first women's editor, and she was incredible. She turned up with 200 ideas for this new paper that was starting. And um, it just went from strength to strength. And everybody talks about um, how the circulation just kept on going. Something in that mix of fun stories, sex, but also the big stories of the day were in there. Um, Jim Callahan, crisis, what crisis? That was a sun headline. And uh, we had just had a brilliant way of doing politics that the... They were very young, the readers of The Sun. They were sort of family people in their 20s. And they've carried on reading the paper. And I still meet a lot of them who say, I took the paper on day one in 1969 and I'm still reading it. And they're obviously now in their 70s. And people say, well, will The Sun still be here in 50 years? And I was thinking, well, you know, everything that you can get in a paper, you can now get on your phone. And um, I was wondering that. And I asked a chap called Robert Thompson, who's the chief executive of the company based in New York, and said to him the same question, will the sun be here in 50 years? And he said the one thing we hadn't factored in, they, they, were, worrying, they were worrying about it in 1984, what would the future hold for newspapers? He said what we hadn't taken into account was the fitness of the nation. He said people in their 70s in general have still got fitness and they still go down to the newsagents and buy their paper and they'll still be buying that for another 20 years, hopefully. So, you know, I don't think the paper, the sun as a paper, is finished yet and we're still the biggest selling paper in Britain daily and and, and on the weekend. But on the front page of the book, you have a lad... Uh, holding papers, uh, uh, looking rather like one of the old uh, newspaper sellers at uh, stations and things. Yeah, yeah. How did he get on the front? Well, page? he w- he was just picked. We we looked through all the pictures of uh, from our library uh, when we moved to Wapping in 1976. We moved from the old building in Bouverie Street so quickly that a lot of material was left behind. A lot of the library, but we still do have an amazing picture library and this boy was pictured with an armful of papers in 1981 in Midhurst in Sussex and somebody suddenly went wow I wonder what happened to him what we must find out and nobody could find him we couldn't find him on an electoral roll or anywhere but I did find an address for his mother so one day when I was going to Portsmouth I just thought I'll knock on her door and I had the picture and I knocked on this poor lady's door at half past eight in the morning and she went Sorry, can I help you? And she was very, very nervous. And I shoved the picture into into the door. I said, do you remember this? And she said, oh, my goodness. And um, she directed me to her son. He changed his name and was living not far away. And he's a heating engineer. And God love him. <laughs> we turned up on his doorstep, a photographer and myself, and showed him the picture and said, would you recreate the picture? He said, certainly. He said, I thought you were tax inspectors. <laughs> I'm delighted too. And um, he posed up and did the picture. So we've got a picture of him, age 51. And uh, his name's Darren. And uh, there he is. He he recreated that picture from his boyhood when he was a 14-year-old paper boy. And he had fond memories of the paper. And it's just incredible. Mike, 
all kinds of stories and just occasionally we make a mistake too don't we a, yes. a mistake in a number can be uh, quite difficult we made we, we, we're human we make mistakes and you know the sun has made mistakes over the years but the one you're referring to is the bingo bungler that was uh, a very sad <laughs> sad event where uh, a guy called Mike Terry, lovely, lovely guy, but had terrible handwriting. And it was in the days when you sent the numbers down to the composing room and somebody didn't read his handwriting properly. We put the wrong bingo numbers in. And all these people thought that they'd won. So many of them thought they'd won that, in fact, one couple took a taxi from Hartlepool to London to play. <laughs> To claim their winnings, which actually turned out to be, I think, around 23 quid in the end. Everybody shared the the pot. And um, anyway, the the editor said to um, this poor guy, Mike, he said, I'm going to make you the bingo bungler and put you in the paper and put a dunce's hat on him and oh, you know remember that do you remember him yes yes remember the dunce's hat yes yeah. the dunce's hat came out a few times but um, yeah he he and he you know to this day uh, he's not around now but he did talk about you know being the bingo bungler <laughs> mike what an amazing uh, life we've had here at the sun thank you very much for joining us today i think i might have to invite you back when i've had time to go through and digest everything that's in this mammoth work i would love to come i'd love to come back and one of the things i do remember when i first started on the sun when i was made city editor i had an office near the mail room and i kept having to weave my way round sacks of mail and i'm thinking Whose mail is that? And it was all for Peter Seabrook, the man with a huge fan base. And uh, I thought, I need to see this chap. And uh, I'm so glad I did. And we've, we've had a brilliant, brilliant friendship, Peter, and I've really, really enjoyed working with you. Well, my thought for the day, so to speak, comes from the late Douglas Anderson, who worked with John Watsup at Derby Nursery Stock, Oh, and incidentally, whose wife, Sheila, uh, has just died. I'm sad to relate. Uh, But Douglas said, success is 10% knowledge and 90% confidence. We achieve little without biting the bullet and pressing on into the unknown. It just takes confidence to have a go. So there you are. 10% knowledge, 90% confidence. My thanks to Sutton Seeds of Torquay, sponsors of this podcast. And thanks to you for listening. Enjoy your garden. We'll be back next Thursday. Discover more at sungardening.co.uk. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.